Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Thank you for being with me today. And if you were with me yesterday, thank you for being with me yesterday. And uh, hopefully tomorrow as well. So this is just this is what we do here, Afternoons, is we get together and we uh, we look at stuff. We examine God's Word, and we're going to do that today with my friend Jeff Dorn. He is in studio, exactly where I like him to be. And we're going to talk about salvation and sanctification. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about... Uh, John 3.16, and then Galatians 2.20, and it's going to be a very strong hour. He's got, once again, because this is the way his mind thinks, um, he's got an incredible chart that I'm looking at. I hate even bringing up the word chart, because that would suggest you might want it. And if I do suggest you want it, that means I will be responding to hundreds of people sending the chart. But uh, let's get into this. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. I think you need less and less introduction, um, So, but I will give you a little bit more introduction. You uh, teach um, a Bible study at Grace Church in Eden Prairie, and you've uh, got a fantastic wife and three amazing kids. I do. Yeah. So All true. That is all true. So I'm going to try to keep it real simple. Let's jump into uh, the material that, I, that I, you sent me in advance. I'm very excited about, um, and I know you teach a class about sanctification and salvation, don't you? I do. Actually, I call it salvation, sanctification, and glorification. So in Scripture, it's, there's actually three components to our salvation. And God says that we have been saved. He has saved us, Ephesians 2, uh, 8. He is saving us, present tense, uh, 2 Corinthians four sixteen, And we will be saved, a future tense of salvation, 1 Peter 1, 5. So we have a past tense of salvation. We have a current or present tense of salvation, and we have a future sense of salvation, tense of salvation. And theologians have come to call that salvation, sanctification, and glorification. So really quick, just a quick little overview. Our past tense salvation is when we're saved. God says uh, that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So when we put our faith and trust in him, he saves us, and that salvation is complete, but it's a one-and-done kind of thing. You move from death to life, from blindness to being able to see, from darkness to light. There's actually a, a, a concept in Scripture where Jesus is getting after the Pharisees, and they said, well, Moses is our father. And he says, if Moses was your father, you would have listened to him because he testifies about me. And as it is now, your father is the devil. Ouch, <laughs> right? Yeah, ouch is right. So we go from being of the world, of the devil, of the flesh, and we now are children of God. You know, one of the big lives of the world out there is that we're all God's children. And actually, Scripture is very clear that we become children of God through faith in Christ. It's that that moment that he adopts us into his family, makes us heirs, makes us co-heirs with Christ, and we now are given the right to be called children of God. So that salvation, that past tense, the moment that you believe in Jesus Christ, your salvation is done. You've been forgiven, redeemed, justified. You receive eternal life. 
You receive the Spirit of God, who he says he sealed you until the day of redemption. Um, all the the benefits, all of the robust things that God does at the moment of salvation one, are once and done. They're a done deal, past tense of salvation. Then he has this present tense of salvation, this we are being saved. And I think one of the problems that theologians have is they sometimes we confuse some of the exhortations in Scripture and we think they're salvation passages when really they're sanctification passages, all right? So we'll get into that a little bit today and making sure we understand what's already completed in you mm-hmm. and what we're working on today in this life, all right? So the mm-hmm. present tense of salvation. And then before we get into that really quick, just the glorification part, we will receive a glorified body just like Christ, wow. all right? Over and over in Scripture, God promises that though now we bear the likeness of the man from earth, Adam, our fleshly body that we're in today, which both actually Peter and Paul call this tent of our body, right? So this is a temporary dwelling. And God says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, right? So we need a new glorified body. And that body is actually described in quite uh, quite detail in 1 Corinthians 15, tells us about that body glorification process, that glorified body. And uh, if if you understand God's plan for the end of the age, the day that we receive our glorified body is called the rapture, when the dead in Christ will rise first, receive their glorified bodies mm-hmm. first, and then we who are alive and remain will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will be glorified and caught up together with them in the clouds. But God says over and over and over again that this promise, in fact, he says in Romans that we're predestined to be conformed to the image of of God. Our glorified body has been promised to us, and one day we will receive it. So there's a little overview of past, present, and future salvation. Salvation, sanctification, and glorification. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, as we're uh, in discussion with people, and and people drag out the we are all God's children line, mm-hmm. because I, I heard it again on TV this week, um, the truthful answer is we're all uh, created in God's image, and not until you come to saving faith in Christ, do you get adopted into the family of God? Correct. So in Latin, that's amagio Dei, in the image of God. And all men, all mankind, all people are made in the image of God. And that is an interesting question. The theologians debate, what does that precisely mean? Uh, is it a function kind of thing? It is a substance, substantive thing? Um, I think it's kind of in a lot of ways. We are creative beings. God is a creative God. God is a relational God. We are relational beings. We desire to have relationship with others, to love one another, to care for one another. I think all those components, characteristics, if you will, come from God because mankind is made in his image. He even says we love because he first loved us. The Mm -hmm. fact that we even love is, I think, evidence that we've been made in the image of God. God is a three-part being, by the way, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are are a three-part being. Paul says our body, soul, and spirit. So I think in a lot of ways that we don't even understand, every single person on the planet has been made in the image of God. Uh, But that phrase, child of God, is reserved for those who have been born again. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an important distinction that Christians need to interject when that comes up in conversation. It is. Because I think it, it... Other people take kind of a universal approach saying, well, we're all God's children, so 
God's going to do the right thing, and God, if there's a good God in a good place, and I'm a good person, he'll take me there. Yeah, and in John, it says, he very specifically says, to those who believe, he gave the right to be called children of God. Yeah, John one twelve. Yeah, so the, 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 the context is, is that, so what is a child of God? What is a son of God? This is actually a little sidebar here. There's actually four different people or people groups in Scripture that are called sons of God, all right? So from the beginning of the Bible, let's look. Adam. Adam is called, you know, the genealogy of Christ. It mm-hmm. goes back from Christ through David back to Adam, mm-hmm. who says, you know, Seth, son of Adam, Adam, son of God, right? So Adam is a son of God. Why is Adam a son of God? Because he was made by God. Mm-hmm. You were made by, what's your dad's name? Chuck. Chuck. In your natural, earthly, fleshly self, you were a son of Chuck. Son right? of Chuck, yes. Adam was the son of, was that a movie? That was a horror movie. No, that was Chucky. That's Chucky, yeah. So, son of God. Adam was a son of God because he was made by God. Angels are also called sons of God. They were not the product of reproduction, but they were made by God, a son of God. Jesus, now careful, in his incarnation was called the Son of God. Why? Because Philippians says that a body, or no, Hebrews says, because a body was prepared for him by God. So Adam was the first Adam. Jesus was the second man, the second Adam. Those are the only two physical bodies that God made as a direct creative act of God. Everybody else was the product of reproduction, right? Mm-hmm. What about Eve? Adam and Eve yeah, and Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Jesus' body was made for him in his car- incarnation. Now, remember, Jesus is eternal with God. So it's just in his earthly form that he was made by God. His body was made by God. Mm-hmm. The last person or persons group that is called sons of God or children of God are believers. All right? We're given the right to be called children of God because now once we are saved, once we put our faith in Christ— 2 Corinthians 5.17 says anybody is in Christ is a new creation. Now that you're saved, you are a result of a direct creative act of God. You've been Mm -hmm. made new, and now you're a child of God. That's what Mm -hmm. sons of God mean, child of God. I love it. All right, Jeff, we've got to manage our time well here, so help me navigate through this. We're going to talk about the old self, and then the old self dies uh, and then gets saved. Does that sound about right? Yes. Is that how we're going to get started? So, so these I'm, the, the the concept of salvation and sanctification. Again, once again, we got to make clear which passages are talking about which. So let's start with a, a simple passage in Colossians three, and it says, "You have taken off your old self and have put on your new self." Notice that's past tense. That's already happened. Mm-hmm. That is a salvation passage. Your old self has been taken off, put away. Galatians 2.20, which is what this chart is kind of centered around, this core verse, just as John 3.16 is kind of a core verse related to salvation, Mm -hmm. Galatians 2.20 is kind of a core verse related to this sanctification process. And it says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? 
I mean, for for a, a, you know a new Christian, you got this language here, and you're going, well, what what is he talking about? I'm still walking around. I'm still living. Christ is the one who's been crucified, and so we have to start understanding what happened at the, at the moment of salvation. Is God has taken your old self, that son of Chuck person, mm-hmm. and crucified it, put it off. It's been done away with crucified with Christ, and he raised you anew in newness of life, right, as a new creation, created in Christ Jesus, united with Christ, filled with his Holy Spirit person. So your old unsaved self is gone, actually crucified, dead, Mm. and your new self has been raised to life. So this Colossians passage, Colossians 3, says you have taken off your old self and you've put on your new self. Well, what is what is that old self? It's that that earthly nature. Colossians uh, three says your old self with his sin with his practices. Romans seven calls it once you once you were controlled by your sinful nature by the by the flesh. Romans eight says the mind of the fleshly man is death, hostile to God, and cannot please him. Romans 3 says it this way, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 6 says that the wages of sin is death. death. Mm -hmm. So we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And so what God does is he crucifies that old man. He's been done away with, put aside, and he's raised you or made you alive in Christ Jesus. So Colossians 2 says it this way, God made you alive in Christ. John 5 says we have passed from death to life. First uh, John 5 says, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. So you see that we've died to sin and been raised to life in Christ. The old has been put aside. The new is now raised and made uh, and made alive. Mm. But then, All right. Uh, do I, no, no, go ahead. So, one more, so then the next part of this, however... Is then when you go to Ephesians four, it says Paul says, "Therefore, put off your old self and put on your new self." Well, wait a minute here. I thought we just learned that your old self has been taken off and you have put on the new self, and yet Paul comes along and says, "Put off the old self and put on the new self." Why do we need to put off and put on if God has already taken off and put on? You see Great what I'm question. saying? Question. Yeah. Let's address that when we come back. Jeff Redorn's in my, my studio. And it is 18 minutes after the hour. We're talking about salvation and sanctification. It's all ahead. Be back in a minute. this, Jeff Redorn's in studio, my friend and Bible mentor, and we're talking about salvation and sanctification. Right before we went to break, Jeff, we were talking about uh, putting off the old self out of Ephesians 4.22 and putting on the new self, Ephesians 4.24, but isn't that work that God has done for us? Now it's telling us that we're supposed to do it. Confusion. 
Yeah, so it's it's this is the past tense of salvation and the present tense of salvation, the sanctification part. So let's it's it's short. Let's just read it. So verse twenty two, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, that's your old self, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's the exhortation. So if you were thinking, well, this is what I need to do in order to be saved, you got to understand, no, God has already done this in your life. Now we need to understand it. So let's turn to Romans 6 now, because Romans 6 is is kind of referred to as the sanctification chapter, if you will. And I just want to read a, a couple, there's three key points in Romans 6 where God says, understanding this great salvation that we have, he now says this. So now I'm in Romans 6, verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has a mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives for God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin or reckon yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Well, there's this concept uh, that you we need to know, know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we've also died with him. Just like Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. We need to know that. We need to understand it. We need to intellectually understand that our old self has been crucified with Christ. Okay. Once we know that, we need to count it or reckon it, understand it to be true. Now, that's the hard process, mm-hmm. right? To understand, truly understand that I've been crucified with Christ because I'm still walking around. And it doesn't feel, you know, you think, well, Christ has been crucified. I have been saved. I get that. But I truly, a lot of us truly don't understand what it really means to be crucified with Christ. Because we always think Christ was crucified for us. Yes. And now we are crucified with him. Okay. Luis Palau has this story. You know, Luis Palau, famous evangelist. And in fact, there's a movie coming out uh, this spring on his life. And I've seen a pre-screening of it. And he... Tell, I've heard him teach on this, and I've seen it now in, in the movie of his life, where he's training to be an evangelist up in the United States. And a guy by the name of Ian Thomas shows up. Ian Thomas, guy who started uh, Torchbearers Ministry at Cape and Ray in England, and now it's a worldwide ministry. And he's teaching on Galatians 2.20 and basically says this. I, Ian Thomas says this. And Luis Palau is in the audience. And Ian Thomas says, I finally understood that God doesn't need my skills and abilities. I kept thinking that, man, I am a capable person. I have skills and understanding and ability to speak. And God can really use me. And Ian Thomas says, once I understood that God doesn't need any of that, but he needs to be that indwelling life that lives in and through me, The old adage is he doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability. And it was, Luis Palau will say, it's one of the key moments in his life when he truly understood what living the crucified life is all about. And they actually spend about five minutes of that in this upcoming movie on Luis Palau's life. And it's a powerful scene of Ian Thomas teaching this truth that we're talking about here. And it's just a great point, Jeff. I mean, God does not want our... Uh, what did you say? Abilities. Abilities. He wants our availability. He wants our availability. I like that a lot. 
Yeah. There was a, an, another uh, theologian, author, and I read a book a long time ago, and uh, I think the name of the book was Classic Christianity. And there was a line Bob that George. Is, Bob George. Yeah. That's right. And I remember there was a line in there that I really, uh, that really struck home, and it's so, so true. And um, he says, living the Christian life isn't hard. It's impossible. Only Christ can do it. Isn't that cool? I love it. If you're trying, to, if you're trying by your own ability to live out this Christian life, then you don't know and you haven't reckoned this truth that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So if we continue that verse, that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah, so the the the, the outline of Romans, kind of, if we we'll go back to Romans 6, it's know, reckon, and then yield or offer. So the next part of Romans 6 is do not offer your parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. You see how it's this offer, this yield, this offering of myself, right? I, I have been crucified. I offer myself to you, Lord. Um, you know, the living sacrifice, therefore we are living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. A living sacrifice is an offering to God. And as my friend Dave Gibson from my church says, the problem with a living sacrifice is we keep getting up and crawling off the altar, don't we? So there's the problem. But understanding the Christian life, now once we understand these passages, is actually very easy. Die to self and live for God. And if you look in the Garden of Eden, when Jesus is at the, the most pinnacle crisis moment of his life, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he goes to the cross, what does he say? He says, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But in the end, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. The Christian life, living by faith, is not hard to understand. Die to self. Not my will, but your will be done. The hard part is actually trying to live that out, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what living by faith is. So now, a couple verses on living by faith, right? Mm -hmm. So it says in Romans 1, the righteous shall live by faith, faith, right? Not by self-effort, not by trying to do a bunch of stuff, not by following the law, not by trying to live this holy and pleasing life by our own skill and our own ability, and our own, but to live by faith. Live by faith, not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says. But my righteous ones will live by faith, Hebrews 10. Um, I, Jeff, I wonder how many listeners, when they hear that, the righteous will live by faith, if they go, I got that, I get it. Well, when you f- if somebody figures that out completely, email me because yeah. uh, I need to too. know. You know, yeah, I, I really get the saved by faith. I mean, I think we all as evangelical Christians and are in the body, we, we understand. Yeah, we can't work. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We have to put our faith in Christ and the, that we're saved by faith. What we tend not to completely understand is that by that same faith, we are now to live. All right. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, more with Jeff Verdorn. We're talking about salvation and sanctification. Jeff, when do we get to this cool chart? Is that coming up next? Yeah, so I've mm. kind of been describing sections of it as we've I know. been going along. I've so. been following it. It's okay, been spectacular. 
who we were, what God did, and who we are. That's on the chart. Yep. I think I should be uh, should I be offering it to listeners. I guess so. <laughs> Rebecca just gave me a thumbs up. If you'd like this lovely chart, well uh, constructed by Jeff Redorn, uh, email me for it at bill at myfaithradio.com. I'll zip it off to you. And I think you just, uh, what should we call this chart, Jeff? Um, who we were. Who we were. Just put that in the subject line. We'll take a break and be back with lots more in just a minute. Welcome back to the show. My friend Jeff Redorn's in studio. Always love time with him. And whether we're having lunch and talking about God or in the studio talking about God, it's my favorite subject, my favorite time. So, Jeff, uh, I've already got some questions coming in, and, but I, I want to get back to uh, the uh, chart that you have here, which is great. Uh, a question rolled in, and I think it speaks to a lot of people. Who's and, mm-hmm. and the listener said, there's been many times in my life where I feel... But I know that I'm saved, but I've had some rough patches where it seems like I just have to convince myself and believe I'm saved in order to be saved, even though I don't sense it. So I'm living the Christian life, but this constant sense of having to convince myself that I'm saved seems immature. How does the Bible address this immaturity? Wow, great question. This goes right to the concept of whether or not we are secure in our salvation. And do we know and understand, like that Romans 6, do we know and understand that we are secure in Christ? Ephesians 1 says it this way, Having believed, you, so at the moment of salvation, you were marked in him with the seal, the deposit of the Holy Spirit, as a guarantee or guaranteeing our inheritance for those in Christ Jesus. So the moment you're saved, God seals you with the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance, right? So once you're saved, there's nothing, as Romans 8 says, nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the problem. If our salvation was based on how we feel any given day, what do you think would happen with our salvation? We'd be moving in and out of salvation all day long, all week long, all month long. Fortunately, our salvation is based on what God has done in us and not how we happen to feel about it that day. But I'll tell you this that the more you submit to God, the more you fix your eyes on Jesus, the more you abide in him, the more you trust in him, the more you have that assurance in your heart. First John says that his spirit testifies with our spirit that we can know that we have eternal life. Mm-hmm. So the more we grow in faith, and, and this is a question, you know, I've asked, we ask people, when, when did you get saved, Right. Well, I like to ask the second part of that. When did you really start growing in your faith? And you know what the answer is? Literally every time I ask somebody this question, they say things like, oh, I got into a Bible study of John with, you know, a men's group at Mm -hmm. church, or I got into BSF, or I, you know, got into this study with some friends, or I started studying the Word of God. Because the more you study God's Word, it's, God's Word is food to our spirit. You want to grow physically? Well, you eat physical food. Mm-hmm. You want to grow spiritually. And the Word of God is, the the metaphor in Scripture is that the Word of God is the food, right? Your words came and I did eat them. Paul says to move from milk to solid food, to grow up in the maturity. No, Romans 6 says it this way, know that we have been crucified with Christ, right? We need to know and understand these promises of God, what he's done at salvation. So, and then once we know it, it becomes more and more real 
to us, and then we start feeling more and more saved. Does that make sense? A ton of sense, yeah, absolutely. All right, Jeff, let's talk a little bit more. I know you've brought some up, um, what's on the chart, but it starts with who we were, what God did, and who we are. Oh, I love this chart because it's kind of three columns. Mm -hmm. And the first column is what we used to be Mm -hmm. in our old self, what God has done to us, and who we are now or how God sees us now. So just a few of these. This is a two-page kind of front-back document. We'll just go through a few of these. But uh, some of them are are powerful, and, and it gives us an insight on who we are now as a saved person. So God says we were in darkness, Ephesians 5, 8. He called us out of that darkness, 1 Peter 2, 9, and now we are called sons of light or in light, Ephesians 5, 8 and 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. We were once blind and God opens our eyes. He gives us sight, Acts 26, 18, and now we see, John 9, 25. We were poor. Oh, I love this. We were poor spiritually, Revelation 3, 17. Uh, to the church at Laodicea, it says, you don't realize, people, Laodiceans, that you're really poor, pitiful, wretched, blind, and naked. Ooh, what an ouch from mm. Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. It's a picture of them being lost. And he says, you need to become rich spiritually. And actually, Second Corinthians 8, 9 says we are rich. Second Corinthians 6, 10 that says we possess everything. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Um and he has done it in our lives. And that's who we are now. That is who we, we need, are now. And Jeff, we always be we always need to be understanding who we are in Christ. Absolutely. I think that's we one of the reason I love this chart. It is. It's it, I think a lot of our issues as Christians walking in this world is we forget or don't understand. We don't know and reckon and yield to who we are in Christ. Let me read Oswald Chambers. And this is actually from um October 20th of my utmost for his highest. Listen to this. It's, it's, it's basically describing what God has already done in his life, and this relates to sanctification. So he says, sanctification is not a question of whether God is willing to sanctify me. Is it my will? Am I willing to let God do in me everything that has been made possible through the atoning of Christ, uh, cross of Christ? Am I willing to let Jesus become sanctification to me and to let his life be exhibited in my human flesh. Beware of saying, oh, I am longing to be sanctified. No, you are not. Recognize your need, but stop longing and make it a matter of action. Receive Christ to become sanctification for you by absolute unquestioning faith. And the great miracle of the atoning of Jesus will become real in you. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. I remember a a book one time. Someone told me about a book that said, uh, God is my co-pilot. And my response is, if if God's your co-pilot, switch seats. No man. kidding. You're in big trouble. Right? God doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be your life, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so let's keep going. He says you were naked. And this picture of nakedness, it's actually a theme from the in the Bible from beginning to end, right? Adam and Eve discovered that they were naked. And all suddenly they lost their innocence and they understood that, hey, I'm naked here. 
They didn't understand that or know that before, so they lost that innocence. God closed them, and that's exactly what he says he does to us, that we in unbelief are, quote-unquote, naked. He clothes us, and so now in Revelation we see the bride of Christ dressed in white, wearing fine linens, white and clean, and that is the righteousness of Christ. So now when God sees you, he doesn't see your own, he doesn't see your righteousness, he, you've been clothed, if you will, in the righteousness of Christ. That's what he does the moment that you are saved. He says that you didn't have an inheritance before you were saved, and Galatians 4, 7 says you've been made an heir, and now we are heirs with Christ, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, Romans eight seventeen says. Isn't that cool? I love that. I love this next one coming up, Jeff, uh, being separated from Christ, Ephesians 2, is it 12 or 13? Well, I um, put 12, but my chart... I've been known to make a mistake here and there on yeah. one of my charts, well, but are you reading it on the screen? Uh, I, I'm just looking at uh, 2.13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once you once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you were once who you were is where you were someone far away. Yeah, so if you read those next two, the first one is Ephesians 2.12, separated from Christ. And, and so that idea is that now Philippians 2 says we've been united with Christ so that we are one in Christ, Galatians 3.28, right? Mm-hmm. So we are separated from him. Now we've been united. Christ in you, right? The hope of glory. The next one is that we were far away, separated from God, alienated from God, God's enemies, pagan, not a people, but he has brought us near. So it's a similar concept. He, we were once separated from God. Our sin... We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and that separated us from God. Mm-hmm. Now we've been brought near to God and have been united with him for all of eternity. Cool. That's who we are. That's us. Fantastic. I love it. How about excluded from citizenship? That's who we were. That's who we were. So we were. Then ex- what did God do? He brought us into the kingdom. Colossians 1.13. Yeah. And so now our citizenship is in heaven. I like to say that we are heavenonians. That's who we are. So that's why he says in Peter, I think it's in Peter, God says that we are strangers and aliens in this world. I know that we should should be great citizens, especially of our, what I think is a wonderful, great country called America, probably one of the most blessed countries in all the world, because we've had a lot of folks, God's favor has been on this country in a lot of ways. Not that we're perfect, right? But God has definitely blessed America. Mm-hmm. And I am proud to be an American and hope the best for America. And, but I need to understand my first and foremost, foremost citizenship is in heaven. I'm a heavenonian. In fact, Paul says that I'm an ambassador. We are ambassadors of Christ. Well, an ambassador is someone who leaves his home country, say the United States, and goes off to, where do you want to be an ambassador? Mm, let's just say Croatia. Croatia. Okay. So you're living in Croatian. Do you become a Croatian? No. No, you're still an American, right? Do you speak on your own accord or you should you speak of that which your president wants you? That what my president wants me. Sure. Are you subject to the laws of Croatia? No. But should you follow them as a yes. good citizen? Do you see? Yes. Do you see the parallels here between yes. us? And so God says we are ambassadors from heaven. We're strangers and aliens in this land, but we should follow and obey and be God's representative. He was making his pleas through us, he says. That's Mm -hmm. what an ambassador does. So Mm -hmm. don't forget that, that we are heavenonians. 
And Jeff, this next one's going to uh, be hard for some to hear because there's, you know, you're you're often having discussions with people who say, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not a Christian, but you know, I'm a good guy, or you know, I know what I'm doing in life, and you know, I don't say that I belong to the devil. Come on. Yeah, it's it is one of these truths that. Most of the time, that's probably not the best place to start when you're having an evangelical conversation to say your father is the devil or that you belong to the devil, right? Even though that's the truth. But it is the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's Um, Romans 6, 6, uh, I'm sorry. um, John 8, 44. Yeah. So he bought you out of the world, um, out of the possession, if you will, of Satan, redeemed you, 1 Corinthians 6, 20, and now you are God's. You are God's possession. Do not know, you know that you've been bought. You are not your own. You are God's possession, bought at a price, and that price was the blood of Christ. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people out in the world that aren't saved, um, but they're, they're not bad, super bad people. But we know what God says. He says all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. No one is righteous. No, not one. So every single person, whether you've, stole, lied, murdered, stealed, whatever, um, if you don't, if you haven't believed in Christ, you're separated from God. You belong to the world, belong to the devil. God does not grade on a curve. His standard is righteousness. Mm-hmm. Be perfect, therefore, as my heavenly Father is perfect, he says in the Sermon on the Mount. And the only way to obtain that righteousness is by faith. Once you believe in him, he credits you or imputes, theologians call it imputed righteousness. He imputes Christ's righteousness on you. Mm-hmm. Now you've been made righteous by faith. Right? Yeah, this is the way Jeff's mind works. So he constructs this chart, which uh, we're talking about right now, who we were, what God did, and who we are. Just really great reminders. Uh, and some of the things we've been talking about are all on the chart. I would love to make this available for uh, any listener that would like it. Just email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. You can just type in uh, Jeff's chart or or who we are or who we were. I think I'll understand that it's you looking for this chart. So we'll take a little break. When we come back, more with Jeff Verdor in just a minute. show. I know you're loving this because I am, and I assume you are too. Jeff Redorn's my in-studio guest. We are uh, talking about sanctification and salvation. We're really talking about Jeff's chart right now, who we were, what God did, and who we are. Um, Jeff, we were certainly uh, sinful, as it says in Romans 8, verse 6. Yeah, that's a problem. Um, At the end of the book, God, in talking about the new heaven and new earth, says nothing sinful or nothing unrighteous will enter into this eternal state with God. Ooh, that's a problem, right? So mm-hmm. he's got to take care of our sinfulness. Well, fortunately, that's what the blood of Christ does, right? It cleanses us of all unrighteousness. So now you've been forgiven. In fact, I was just talking to someone today. It's the, have you ever canned anything before? Ever You ever do any canning, you know, fruit, vegetables? Jeff, you're talking to me. I know. I, yeah. Okay. So uh, my grandmother has, so I've watched okay. her do it, because I've never done it yeah. either, right? I don't know if Rebecca has ever, ever canned. No. 
My grandma has. Yeah, yeah, that's my. <laughs> that's about where get we're all. Gra- at. Let's get some grandmas in here. So we don't remember what right. it what it really actually takes. So I'm going to ask you a question. What's the first thing you do to the jar before you start canning? Sterilize it. Sterilize it. it. Yeah. Perfect. So you have to make sure there's nothing dirty in there, right? You're sterilized. Oh, that's what God does to us. He forgives us. He washes us clean. He's sterilizes us from all unrighteousness. And then it's kind of cool. You fill it then with whatever you're filling it, apples, fruits, pears, whatever. And that's like being filled with the life of Christ, right? Christ in us. And we now the life of Christ dwells in us. And then what do you do? You seal the jar. So how do you seal the jar? You actually take wax and you pour wax over the top of the the, the contents of the mm-hmm. jar, and then the lid goes on, and then you seal it up. The lid actually doesn't seal it. It's the wax that seals it. Oh, hey, Ephesians 1 says we've been sealed with the Spirit. So we've been forgiven. We've been filled, and we've been sealed. And so like the caller earlier, the way the question earlier, sometimes I don't feel saved. Well, yeah, that's because we kind of get dirty on the outside, and we, we, we never live up to God's calling, right? So we don't feel like we're acting this righteousness that God has made us. And we forget who we are, and we start acting like the world again, and we, we get, if you will, dirty. But we get dirty on the outside of the jar, if you will, not on the inside of the jar, so it's kind of this cool little metaphor in this canning example. It's a great metaphor. Isn't it? So yeah. he's made us, he's forgiven us, 1 John 2, 12. All right, what about a guilty conscience? Oh, this Hebrews is, 10, 22. Yeah, this is, um, you know, there's this, there's this word fear in the Bible. And, and some want to preach that we need to be fearful of God. And it's kind of like this concept of, oh, I need to be timid. I need to be fearful. I, I have a guilty conscience. It's like, no, the, the, the description in Scripture, one, that, that word fear is really the word awe in the Bible. We should be awe, in awe of God, not fearful of God. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. We don't come to God. In fact, Hebrews says it this way, that we can come before his throne of grace with confidence because we have been cleansed and made righteous. We possess the righteousness of Christ. So if you are in need, you come before God's throne any moment, anywhere, in the car, in the shower, wherever you are, come before God's throne with your needs, right? Not with this guilty conscience. Remember Romans 8, 1 says what? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, right? I think one of our biggest problems is we tend to condemn ourselves when we don't live up to God's calling. It's like, why should we condemn ourselves when not even God condemns us? So we don't have this guilty conscience, Hebrews 10, 22. He has cleansed us. We now have this clean conscience, Hebrews 9, 14. We were soiled, now we're white and clean. We were separated, now we've been brought near. So let's remember that as well. All right. What about um, feeling that you do not have the spirit? Or you're controlled by a sinful nature. Yeah. So the that's uh, a struggle for many. Yeah. So Romans eight nine says that you were once controlled by the sinful nature, but now you're controlled by the spirit. Romans eight nine. If indeed the spirit lives in you, if you're saved, you now have the spirit. So God says, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. So, I mean, look, this is the core problem. We're saved, we understand our identity, but we tend to fall back to our old self and the practices of our old ways, right? 
even though we've been made new, there's still all these distractions in this world that trip us up. Um, and that's the flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they have these distractions. Uh, there's lots of attractive things in this world, eh, to distract our attention. That's why God says it's uh, the battle place, the spiritual battle is in the mind, how we think think about these. Whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, I can't remember exactly how that verse goes. Think about such things, right? Uh, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When we study God's Word and we understand this sheet, who we are in Christ, what God has done to us, well, now can I try... As I trust in him and all of his promises and understand who we are in Christ, can I start living out my identity then, maybe a little bit more, by his power, not by my own? Living the Christian life again isn't hard. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Let Christ do it. Say more, Jeff, because I think this uh, this is such a critical part of the discussion because we get this great information and we know who we are in Christ, yet we still struggle with living it out. I don't know why that is. Well, we do. There's... You know, then Scripture has a lot of these, you know, do nots but rathers. Do not do this but rather do that. Do not offer your parts of your body to sin as instruments to wickedness, Romans 6 says, but rather offer yourselves to God. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. We just read that, Romans 12. But rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you once lived in ignorance, 1 Peter 1. But rather, just as you are called to be holy, so be holy in all that you do. Not my will, but your will be done. Um, I, th- I think, like I said earlier, I think understanding this, what does it truly mean to live by faith? It means getting out of the way. It means dying to self. I think so often Christians say, oh, we're going to go off and do this. Come on, God, follow along with and bless all my efforts that I'm trying to do. And if we would just simply say, not my will, but your will be done, I think as we turn over our lives, as we get out of the pilot seat and let God, and we say, Lord, anything, anywhere, anytime, uh, then we'll see what God can do. He wants to, you know, and I, I think of the Old Testament and the, the example we have of Israel, and they had these physical battles where most of the time our battles are spiritual battles, right? But God said, I will, he said, I'm your king. I will lead you. I will go out for, before you. I will fight your battles for you. And what did Israel say? say? They said, give us a king. We want an earthly king to be just like the other nations. Mm. And they didn't let God's power go out and fight their battles for them. They want an earthly king. In the same way, I think our biggest problem is we want to make ourselves our, our own earthly king. And we say, my will be done. And God, you come along and bless it. And the picture of sanctification is like Oswald Chambers says, don't ever say, Lord, sanctify me. It's, he's already done it. In fact, the word sanctification is basically this Greek word is hagios. It means holy. You have been made holy. Sanctification has been done in you by God. Uh, first, uh, uh, in fact, he, Oswald Chambers has another one from July, uh, July 22nd, I believe it is, about this, this life, 1 Corinthians one thirty. But of him you are in Christ, who became for us sanctification. It's been done in your life. Like he said, don't ever wish you were more sanctified. It has been done. Are you willing to know it, understand it, reckon to it, yield to it? 
and basically say, not my will, but your will be done. Wow, that's great stuff, Jeff. Uh, I do, do want to make it known that uh, the little chart we've been working off is something Jeff would uh, be more than happy to let you uh, have. Um, all you have to do is write me, bill at myfaithradio.com, and we'll send you an electronic copy, and you can uh, have that. It says who we were, what God did, and who we are. Really nicely laid out, and just it's a great uh, study to get uh, hold it and put it in your Bible, and whenever you're feeling like you don't feel saved or you yeah. don't feel like God is involved. That's just absolutely not true. God has never left you, nor he will ever leave you or forsake you. And you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Your uh, eternity is secure, and you are uh, have been redeemed. And God does not go back to the cross. He's done that once. That's mm. a one and done. Absolutely. And now when he says, I die daily, Paul says, I die daily, maybe after this you know, hour, that maybe makes a little more sense to us. When Paul says, I die daily, and he's talking about what we've just all talked about. I'm going to pu- die to that old man, that old self, and live for Christ. To live is Christ, Philippians mm-hmm. 1, 21, right? And, you know, Jeff, as we wrap things up, the, one of the last ones on your chart is uh, who we were. We were people who had not received mercy, as in First Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Mm. And then what God did was he gave us mercy, and then we received it. So... You know, how powerful to, to to have gotten and received the mercy of, of God Almighty. Yeah, that's it's it's a done deal. I mean, all these things, you know, the, the title of the chart, who we were, now who we are. These This is who you are. If you're saved, these are all your identity in Christ. And, uh, you know, now we just have to reckon it, count us and understand mm-hmm. that this is exactly who we are. God has poured out his mercy on you, his grace on you. You've received it through faith and and uh, now live live it out. And I know it's hard. We're all going to fall short every day. Uh, that's why we need to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Today, I want to wake up and before my feet hit the ground and before food touches my lips and before my head hits the pillow at night to give him thanks and praise for what he's done in my life. Jeff, thank you so much for coming in. Always uh, love having you in studio. Jeff Verdorn's been my guest. If you want a copy of the chart we've been uh, working off today, email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. Just put in Jeff's chart, maybe add in the date or just type in who we were, and we'll send it off to you. That wraps up the show. Thanks to all my guests. What a great uh, day it was. Thank you for uh, supporting Faith Radio. If you missed any of this hour, I promise you're going to want to go back from the beginning, myfaithradio.com. Check it out. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.